Hey guys, welcome back to the Steph Sanzaro podcast. I am so excited to have you guys here with me today for a very, very exciting episode with someone that I'm a little bit obsessed with. The work that she does, I just think is honestly so individual and so beautiful and something that is so, so needed in today's world when we are filled with so much insecurity and so much self-doubt and for someone to just be stepping forward and helping women find their sensuality and pleasure and empowerment, I just think, wow, this is the work that needs to be done everywhere. So today I am joined by the wonderful... Asti Marie. She is a female sexual empowerment educator and honestly someone that I think you guys are going to fall in love with. So without further ado, I would love to welcome Asti Marie. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Asti. I'm honestly so excited to have this chat with you and to talk all things sexual empowerment. How are you going in this current climate? Oh, (laughs) it's a lot right now, isn't it? It's been an interesting journey for me it's funny because I like I at the beginning I was like this is so fine like I work from home and I'm usually by myself anyway like nothing's really changed but the deeper we get into this the more I'm craving like especially for me being like physical touch my number one love language and like I just crave having my friends around me mm. um I just said to you before I've actually been feeling really anxious the last couple of days which isn't something that I normally experience um yeah so it's really been quite big for my mental health I feel like now COVID-19 it's not even like a physical health thing like the way that it's impacting our mental health is so much bigger yeah you know I have to really agree with you on that point I think it's we're really lucky in Australia at the moment we're not in a situation where we do have a lot of cases of it as of yet which is just amazing and I'm very grateful for that and I think the one big thing in in our health it is affecting is like our ability to connect with others and our mental health is suffering because of that yeah it's it's so crazy and then as I just said to you before which I'll mention again because it's it's pretty crazy but I went for a walk this morning and after feeling anxious for a couple of days, like I know some people live their lives like this, which I feel terrible for those people, but getting to the point where it's hard to leave the house and you have to like really talk yourself into like getting out and going out for a walk, which is kind of where I was at this morning. But I got there anyway and got out, got out to move my body and got yelled at by this lady for not social distancing where I was actually, like I'm not very good at measurements, but I was probably like, I was definitely over five meters, maybe even like 10 meters away from her to the point where I couldn't even hear what she was saying. She was like making sign language, like hand signals at me to get away. And if you already feel anxious and you're already at that point where it's hard to leave the house, having on top of that, the fear or the thought of maybe potentially being yelled at somebody while going on your daily walk makes it even harder. So I don't know, I think just like during this time, it's important that we all remember that we're all going through this together and it's still important to be nice to each other. Oh, I completely agree with you. Like if we can just put that kindness cap on before we leave the house or just all the time in general, because like you've said, some people are reacting to this really poorly. And this lady is obviously like coming from such a place of fear right now and she's probably terrified and you're right like those of us who do experience anxiety or have in the past or you know they have a relationship with it at least this is just going to exacerbate that so like you were saying there I think it's really beautiful that you mentioned that you went for a walk and that was to sort of help combat it was that right Mm, for sure I always find that just moving my body will help my mental health and my mood for sure Mm, it's so important isn't it is there anything else you're doing at the moment for self-care Um, so I actually have my period at the moment. So usually I do like self pleasure. Um, when I have my period, I'll like take it back a little bit and just do like body massages. So if I have a shower, I'll do like give myself a little breast massage or I'll get out and just like really consciously massage myself with a moisturizer. As I said before, like physical touch is my main love language and we all crave that as humans. Mm. And it's important for us to when we can be able to get these needs met on our own. So for me, giving myself a massage or like loving myself through physical touch helps so much. 
Oh, absolutely. I think it's so important. I'm also in a similar situation. It's, it's up there in my love languages. And, you know, I am very isolated and very alone at the moment. And you, you do feel that you do feel that, you know, that isolation. And so, yeah, I'm the same, you know, I've been, you know, using a little bit more massage and, you know, doing all the things to try and feel like, you know, we're not so isolated. Mm, for sure. And all the Zoom chats. <laughs> I've been having lots of coffee dates over Zoom. It's like the new way of life now. <laughs> it is. I just wonder what it's all going to go back to and what the world's going to look like when all of this dies down. I know. It's interesting, isn't it? it is. There's also been parts of it that I have enjoyed. Like obviously with everything, there's, there's pros and cons. But because I work so hard, like being a Capricorn, <laughs> I often do struggle separating like my work life from my personal life in terms of like I'd always like been like I wish I had the time to like bake and like cook for us and do like those motherly like cute girlfriend things which I just never used to do but over the last couple weeks I've been like perfecting my pancakes and like making banana bread and making delicious curries and doing all the things that I wish I could have before which I totally could have but I never gave myself permission Mm. now to like stop with all the to-doing and my to-do list has definitely gotten like smaller and smaller over the last couple weeks and now I've been able to do all the things that I really want to do and all the things that give me joy and pleasure and even the things I didn't know I enjoyed like cooking so yeah I am I am there's a lot to be grateful for it's hard but I'm still grateful for some of the small things yeah and that is so important honestly just to try and find the small little positives when obviously we're in a dark time right now but if we can find those light moments it helps us to to move through it all and to make us feel a little bit better Mm, so for the listeners who know nothing about you and you know perhaps the listeners who are followers of yours and who love your content already I think it's really important for us to get a little backstory into your life and spare no detail my friend I'm very excited to hear all about you (laughs) thanks babe Um, so those of you that that don't know me I am Asti and I'm a female sexual I was just about to say female sexual empowerment coach but you know what like I actually don't resonate with the word coach anymore and I've been umming and ahhing about what to call myself. So now I kind of go in between like educator or expert. I still don't know. I don't know what to call myself oh, yet. I but love it's the empowerment stuff. The coach thing, I'm just not sure about that word anymore for hmm. a few different reasons. Um, but anyway, it's always so hard when people ask me this question because there wasn't one particular moment in my life where I was like oh my god yes I'm gonna do that like that's what I'm passionate about I feel like it's always been something that I have been passionate about even without knowing it so as like a really really young girl I always remember looking at older women and just being totally enchanted by their like feminine mystical magic powers I didn't I didn't even know but I was just like totally admired older beautiful feminine embodied woman and I just remember like being so excited to grow up and be just like that (laughs) and to have those powers um and then obviously stripping's been a huge part of my life so I've been stripping on and off now for nine years now nearly 10 years and that was a huge piece of my own empowerment journey and my sexual empowerment journey because it taught me to be comfortable in my skin to um, learn how to hold strong boundaries. Um, I built a great group of friends within that community. Um, it gave me so many things, but it was really interesting to see the way that other women related to me being a stripper. Hmm. And obviously like this, it's still such a huge, it's still so taboo, but people will always come to me and like, be really interested and want all the goss and to know the finest details of like what goes on. But then at the same time, I can tell that they're also judging me. Mm. So it's this weird combination of being really fascinated, but also really scared of it. And it took me a little while to realize this, but the way that women relate to me being a stripper is the way that they relate to their own sexual power or their own sexuality. So when something's triggering you, well, when you're triggered by something about someone, you're also triggered about triggered by that same thing within yourself. So that's just the relationship we all have with our sexuality being women. Like 
it's really interesting and we love it and we want to show it off, but we're also scared of it. So we have learned that our sexuality is dirty, that it's shameful, that it's dangerous and all the other things that we get, get brought up um, believing. So the stripping was a huge part of it. And then I guess another huge part of it was my own um, sexual journey and my journey through relationships. So in my first relationship, I was in for two years, didn't experience orgasm at all. And I didn't know how to express my needs. I don't even think I really knew what my needs were. I don't even think I knew that I was allowed to have needs. Like at this point, I believed it was my duty to please my partner. And that's kind of where my sex life ended at that point. Um, so two years with this partner. After that, I had a three-year relationship um, where I did finally experience my first orgasm. So I felt a little bit more empowered in that sense. But the relationship itself was very abusive emotionally and physically. Um, so I did lose myself in that relationship. And oh, I went through like this web of like, my life got so messy at this point. I'll, like, I'll give you an example of what happened. Oh, please do. So, my mind right now is like exploding. I'm like day two of my period. I'm already all over the place, but trying to like piece my life together as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I had this idea with my second long-term relationship I had it in my mind that you could either only be loved by somebody or desired by them. That was oh. my belief. I didn't know that you could be both. And so when I went to work and I was dancing, I knew that I was being desired, but that relationship I was loved and I could never like combine the two together. So I had only just started stripping in this relationship and I actually did it behind his back for a couple of weeks which obviously turned the whole relationship. Yeah. We broke up because of that. But I was pole dancing while we were together and he knew about that. He came and watched me sometimes. Um, the pole dancing was like my first like taste of like stepping back into my sexual power. And I absolutely loved that. I started um, competing and performing and doing shows down in the local bar. Wow. And my partner would sometimes come down to watch and it wouldn't be in like a supportive way it would be in a way where he would like stand in the corner of the room with his arms folded just like <gasps> death staring me making sure that no guy was going to come and talk to me like he oh, hated it. like you were his property exactly and it was like it was just the weirdest things I was like this makes me so happy and I feel so free and alive and empowered when I do this but why isn't my boyfriend supportive of it yeah. I was really young. It was really hard for me to understand the psychology of it all. But anyway, I think it was around the same time. It might have been like the same week where he came in and did that to me. Um, I had gone to bed and I think he thought that I fell asleep, but I got up to get a glass of water and came out into the living room and saw him watching a video of a girl doing like a little striptease. Mm. And I absolutely lost it. Like in my head, I was like, how can you come down and watch me do this thing? And like criticize me for doing it, but then actively go out of your way on the internet to search for the same thing. Oh, wow. I was like, my head was exploding. I was like, <laughs> I don't understand this. No, it's. Um, so at that point, I was like, oh, so maybe either you can only be like one or the other. So mm -hmm. I left that relationship. And when you look at love and desire, like love. Is, and this is why we struggle in relationships to have both at the same time because they are so different. Love is very safe, very secure, whereas desire, it's like random. There's like a little bit of danger in there. It's very spontaneousness. Spont hmm. Is that the right word? Yeah, spontaneity. You need spontaneity for desire. So it's hard to mix the two together. For me, looking at both of those, I was like, being desirable seems more fun. Like I want to be the girl that like guys want, like that feels more fun and sexy rather than the girl that is kept. Cause to me at that point being loved felt like I was being kept because I felt mm. very like strangled and suffocated. So I chose the path of desire, went five years of stripping, believing wholeheartedly that you could only be loved or desired until I met my partner now where all of this old trauma and patterns and conditionings kind of being brought up to the surface and I have been able to work through all of that and piece it back together and have come to the new conclusion that you can have both in a relationship um, it's just something that you need to 
to be conscious of and consciously work at. So yeah, I feel like I just rambled on for ages. (laughs) Oh my gosh, not at all. Honestly, I am so happy that you had that moment though, like that he was able to sort of allow you to feel loved and desired at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is such a huge thing that all women are chasing in our relationships. Like we all want to feel loved and desired, but you lean into love too much and you like love is all about being close, right? You want to be really close. You want to know everything about that other person, but desire and like the wanting you need space for that because you can't want something that you already have. So it's about, it's about balancing like that closeness, but also like the individuality, which is such a struggle. It really is. You really have to work at it. I can imagine. And that's such a, a unique concept because I don't think people associate the two with each other, like that you can be individuals, but together within a relationship. Mm, mm, It's so important because if if, like, I find a lot of women get to the point where they're in a relationship and then they start giving up things to be with this person, sometimes out of fear of like losing them or like, um, if they don't give enough, this person's yet like going to leave them. So you end up spending less time with your friends or maybe giving up certain hobbies, giving up some of the things that make you more you. And by giving up what's really you, you almost in a way become more like them. So there is no like you and him or you and her. You kind of become like this one energy and you yeah. can't, there's no distraction there. No, well, like you both aren't coexisting. Exactly. Can we talk a little bit about how childhood trauma can sort of affect our sensuality as adults? Mm. So as children, it is love that we crave more, even as, as adults, like love is just like a basic human need for all of us. So as a child, if you get taught that if anything that you're going to do, if you believe that in doing that particular thing is going to make you less lovable, you won't do it. So I don't know, talking about sex, like little things like um, being a little girl and I don't know, running around outside naked, or maybe you did um, touch your labia and you're just like exploring as a little girl and your mum was like, oh no, gross, like don't do that. You would have been taught in that moment that what you were doing was disgusting. Mm-hmm. And like, mum doesn't love me when I do that. So in order for my mum to love me, I had to stop doing all of that. And now I'm loved. And then that comes with us into like adulthood. Like, oh, if I'm too sexual, then this person isn't going to love me. So that's another like thing that we have to like balance within ourselves is the belief that we can be sexual. We can be sexual beings and still be loved. Yeah. Wow. That is so powerful, isn't it? Mm, it's huge. Because it's like, as a child, it's love, safety, belonging. Mm. Even as an adult, like if you don't have those three needs met, like those are the key things that you need to survive, right? Yeah. And the way that I talk about sexuality and having really profound sexual or orgasmic experiences, that's thriving. But you're not going to be focusing on thriving if you're not yet surviving. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. So one way that I explain it, which makes it really easy to understand, like, okay, if you're not feeling safe, you're not going to give yourself permission to have an orgasm or feel sexy. And the way that I explain it, which is just like really easy to understand, is like if you're running away from a lion and you're like shitting yourself terrified, you're not going to be in that state of fear and trying to find safety, but also going, oh, I'm really horny right now. Like (laughs) I might just like self-pleasure and have an orgasm. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if you're merely trying to survive, like, none of that's even on your radar. Hell no. (laughs) That is such a beautiful analogy. I love that. That's the last thing that's going to be on my mind if I'm literally in a state of fear. (laughs) So safety. Mm. So it's like this fundamental thing that we must have in order to feel as though we can have an orgasm. Exactly, yes. So... For all of us, and I mean, it doesn't even matter how amazing our childhood was or how amazing our parents were, just with the way that our society and our culture is, we would have been taught in one way or another that our sexuality is dangerous, either through like things that we've heard or through personal experience. 
Um, so we have kind of taught ourselves that sex, being sexy or having an orgasm isn't safe. And it is really important that we rewire this and reassociate the two because in order for a woman to experience orgasm, we have to feel safe in our body. We have to feel safe with our partner and in our surroundings because as we have an orgasm, the part in our brain and our frontal cortex that looks out for danger switches off completely. So if you don't already first have that embodiment and that deep knowing that you are safe, your body, you're just never going to give yourself permission to go there. Because when you have an orgasm, it's like you completely shut off. You go to like another dimension for a moment. Yeah. So you need to know that as you go to this like other dimension, when you come back to like this everyday life and everyday dimension, you're still going to be safe. You're still going to be loved. Wow. That is amazing. And like, I completely, I completely agree with you. When I, when I first heard you talk about safety as being one of the key ways for us to like feel into our sensuality and to actually have an orgasm, it just sort of clicked in my mind that in every experience I've ever had, I've never been able to have an orgasm before if I don't genuinely feel safe. Yeah, it's the, the biggest thing. It's so important. Well, and so what is the other component? You mentioned. So the biggest thing really is, well, because safety is such a big thing, the other really big thing is surrender. Ah. But you can't surrender until you feel safe. So in order to, because you need to surrender because you need to be out of your mind and in your body. So if you don't, if you, if you feel safe, you're able to let go for like, what's going on? I'm okay right now. What's this? Like, even the little body things like, do I smell funny? Is he judging me? Like you need to be out of all of those thoughts and in your body mm. to first be able to surrender. And when you surrender, your whole body expands open and lets go. And when your body's open, all of your energy pathways are open. And that's where you get this like beautiful free flow of energy. Whereas if you think of someone that is feeling anxious or not safe, even if you like think about what that feels like in your body right now, like your body kind of wants to like hunch over and everything just becomes tight. And when you think of like energy running through your body, this is another analogy that I love to use. It's like when you're, when you're like tight and kind of like crammed over, it's like when you pick up the pipe of a vacuum cleaner and you bend it in half, no airflow is going to be coming through. And that's exactly what you're doing to your body. Whereas if you open it up and expand it, you get that fresh, um, like the air just keeps flowing through um, with ease. And that's what happens with your sexual energy and your orgasmic energy and your pleasure. If you're surrendered open, your energy pathways are open. There's nothing blocking the energy from flowing through you. And it's for this reason, a lot of women will only experience uh, orgasms localized, like clitoral orgasms and not so much full body orgasms because there are these blocks going on in certain parts of their bodies. Wow. It's all like there is almost so much science behind this that you and so much spirituality also. It's like they combined so perfectly. If you were to just, I don't know, I have, I have a few friends and maybe this is me like asking Asti, but a few friends who have never experienced a, an orgasm before and I don't think they would have ever considered like these two things as maybe being that number one roadblock as to why they haven't experienced orgasm. Mm. So, like I think the biggest thing is conditioning. If you haven't experienced orgasm, there's a part inside of you that believes that it's not okay to do so. So it's about, and we can't really do this like now in a conversation, but with my clients, we dig deep and figure out what's inside of you that doesn't want you to have an orgasm. Like it's not happening because there's something inside of you that just doesn't want you to go there. And it's also important to realize that the part of you that's blocking you from having that experience is always coming from a place of love. So it's, it's trying to protect you because it believes on the other side of having that orgasm, you might be, again, like what we just mentioned, you might not be loved, that person might shame you, you might look silly, all the other fears that come up. Yeah. So it's about connecting to that part of yourself and understanding what's going on and why it's trying to hold you back. And just the first little step is like just letting it know that you see it <laughs> and thanking it for, for trying to protect you. Like, it's not like you're going to overcome all, all of those years in conditioning in like one single moment. But if you can just like connect to that part of yourself where you are feeling blocked, 
and thanking it for trying to protect you, sometimes that is all you need. That piece just needs to feel like it's being seen, like it's being heard. Mm. And then it can move into alignment with your desire to experience orgasm. And once you're fully in alignment with that desire, it's a lot more easy to experience it. Wow. That is amazing. And this is the sort of work that you're doing almost daily, isn't it? So in your business. Yeah. So I have one-on-one clients that I work with daily. Um, I'm also doing a group coaching program called the Pleasure Portal. Um, And there's going to be a few more delicious fun things that I do um, this year, which I haven't announced yet, but there'll be all sorts of things coming. Oh my gosh. This is so exciting. And there's not a lot of like, not from my own experience anyway, but a lot of people doing the type of work that you do. And every time you open your mouth, I'm always just like sitting here with such like an aha moment, like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. And it's just incredible because I think so many other women need to hear this type of information. So mm. oh, I just, I am a little bit obsessed with you. <laughs> It's funny though, I love how you said like every time I speak, you're like, oh, yes, yes, yes. I feel like whenever we learn, or like this is how I felt when I learned this information, it's not even like it's new information. Like it's stuff that you already know and it's like deep wisdom that you hold in your body, but you've just become disconnected from it. I love that concept. Like it's always within you. I'm just helping women remember that is so amazing. <laughs> it's just like getting back to our primal state where we don't have as many, I don't know, maybe as many insecurities. We're not, you know, worried about, you know, oh my gosh, can he see like my little tummy rolls right now or like my stretch marks and then we're okay. overthinking it and you just like, you're getting out of your head. Like it's just bringing it back to like this innate, like, you know, part of connection in life. Yeah, exactly. Because underneath all the layers of conditioning and the trauma and everything else, we all are sexual, orgasmic, wild beings. It's not about learning that. It's about getting rid of everything that's on top of that and and, um, blocking that down so you can remember it. I think it's so beautiful. Now, I was reading one of your posts the other day and you used the most funniest term and I really, really, really want you to just sort of maybe touch on and explain the concept a little (laughs) bit more. But you said fear cock blocking us. (laughs) I was like, oh, God, what are you going to say? Sometimes I just make up my own words. (laughs) I've noticed that and it's literally perfection. (laughs) <laughs> I've done this like my whole life my mum would always be like um that's not a word I'm like it is now she's like that's not how you spell that I'm like it looks better that way <laughs> I think what you've just explained to me is like the epitome of an empowered woman it's like no I'm creating my own words now oh my god we have all of these fears and we're never saying yes to things. And I think in your post, you were saying like, we now suddenly have this opportunity where like our expectations have sort of been removed from us a little bit. So if we were to say yes to our inner desires, then perhaps we would stop cock blocking ourselves. Yeah. Cause we have the power within us to achieve and do anything that we want and have the relationships and the love and the sex and all of that, that we desire. But the only person that's really holding us back is ourselves. Every little fear that I've ever had in my whole entire life, like when I've gotten to that point where I can overcome it, I then look back on it and I think how like silly it was that I had it to begin with. And if only I could move forward with like this courage always, but it is, it's, it's hard to get to that point. How would you recommend like people, you know, take the urge, like to just go for it? Do you know what? This is so similar to what we were just talking about about like connecting to the parts of yourself that aren't on board. So fear is exactly the same. Um, And fear is the same as in it's also trying to protect you. So sometimes these experiences that we have or the emotions, they are really frustrating. Like you want to get annoyed and be like, why am I feeling this way? Like, why am I, why am I feeling afraid? But instead of being frustrated at it and connecting to it with love and letting it know you see it and thanking it for trying to protect you, makes it easier to move forward. So I know that there's that saying, like, feel the fear and do it anyway. But if you try and push through fear, the fear doesn't go away. It just gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger, right? Until it becomes unbearable. Yeah. So 
this is another little analogy that I use. <laughs> I come up with all these fun ways of describing things. <laughs> so the fear inside of you, it believes wholeheartedly that with whatever you're doing, so my thing where I probably experienced the most fear is like before doing public speaking. So I get really like anxious or like feel this fear before going on stage in public speaking because the fear that I'm experiencing is afraid of me looking stupid, let's just say. So the underlying thing there is like, it's afraid of me doing something wrong and looking stupid and therefore the people that I'm talking to not like, not loving me. It's that basic need of needing to be loved. So that fear is coming from a place of love because it's trying to protect me. It's trying to keep me in a position where I'll be loved, right? Mm. So if you think of fear as like a person, try and see it as like a separate person from you that is trying to stop you from doing something stupid. So say that someone that you love is standing on like the edge of a cliff and you think they're about to jump and you're the fear watching this person or watching you on the side of a cliff going, oh my God, get down. What are you doing? This is so crazy. Like take a step back. Like getting really like you get more and more afraid. Right. And if they don't listen to you. So if I was going to go into like public speaking without connecting to my fear and listening to it, and it's seeing me like I'm standing on the edge of this cliff about to jump to my death. It's just going to get louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. <laughs> Whereas if I, standing on the edge of this cliff, took a moment to look back at the fair and go, hey, it's cool. Like, I don't know, I'm wearing a harness. Or like, okay, cool. Like, I, I'll take a step back now. Straight away, the fair is going to be like, huh, okay, she, she heard me. She, like, she gets it. She's all good. She's got it under control. And then you're back in control rather than the fear, just like getting louder and louder and crazier and more intense until it's taking over. So all that fear really needs is for you to connect to it, Mm -hmm. to let it know that it's seen, to let it know that it's heard, to thank it for trying to protect you. And in that moment, it doesn't necessarily go away, but I find like before I do public speaking, it'll definitely ease off. Once I thank it, it'll ease off and then I'm in control. So I can like step up on stage, my most empowered self without the fear controlling me. Wow. (laughs) That analogy is amazing and a surefire way to not let your fear cock block you. (laughs) That's so beautiful. All emotions, like doesn't matter how annoying or uncomfortable they are. They're all there from a place of love. They're all trying to serve you from one in one way or another. And the more that you can understand that and accept that and connect to them and thank them for that, the easier it is to move through that. And I experienced the same thing with jealousy. So I would like feel jealous. And when I would like years ago, when I would experience jealousy, I had no control over it. And I would just like, like say really stupid things or act really crazy because it would take over. But over the last like, I don't know, five years or so since being with Stevie, it doesn't really take over so much. Actually, I don't even really experience it that much anymore because I was like being aware of it. And when that emotion came up, I would witness it and say, okay, there it is. Like, thank you for like trying to protect me or like, thank you for whatever it is, whatever it was trying to do to serve me then. Mm. Just letting it know that I see it. And then it's it doesn't even like come up and try and take over. It then turns into like, a relationship that you have with with it where you're just like oh there's that emotion or I'm feeling this way and then you can carry on with your life so the more that you practice just acknowledging it the less power it has and the less it'll come up the yeah. less um intensely it'll pop up it's like disarming it it's like removing its weapon and now it just has to sit by you mm-hmm. idly exactly or it's like okay she's got everything under control I can chill now yeah, I think that's so perfect. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging um, that that feeling inside you, perhaps whether or not it is fear or not, and then you know, saying, "I I know that you're there. Thank you for being there. But for the moment, it's okay. I've got this." At what point in your life did you really start to connect to this sort of like way of thinking? So I learned it when I studied my sex, love, and relationship coaching certificate uh three or four years ago now that's where I first uh, learned how to deal with my emotions in that way Mm. and it's kind of been a journey ever since so I still use these techniques now if I'm feeling a certain emotion that feels uncomfortable I'll still 
use everything that I just explained. And another little thing, which is nice as well, is to ask that emotion what it needs from you. So yesterday I was feeling quite anxious and I know I mentioned this um, last time I saw you. Um, when I feel really anxious or like overwhelmed, I love to like get into my bed and just like wrap, wrap myself up in blankets. And yeah. But I'll even ask that emotion, like I'll ask my anxiety, like what is it that you need from me? Like what's going to make you feel better right now? And often like that's what I do, but it, like just doing little things for yourself, but checking in with that part of yourself and asking it what it needs so that you can be your own best caregiver. So you yeah. can care for these different parts of yourself. Yeah, I think a lot of people just like become their emotion rather than like seeing it as something that's very temporary or something that's going to be fleeting. Like I might not feel this tomorrow, so why accept it and become it in that moment, you know? Oh my God, yes, becoming your emotion. It's mm. quite scary, isn't it? Because then you lose all of who you are and like your power to this one thing that really should you should just be experiencing in the moment. But if you become it, you're allowing it to become everything that you are. Absolutely. And like, let's go back to your example before where we were talking about jealousy. And if you were to let that jealousy overcome you and then that turned into rage or you had an outburst and you were you know, fighting with your boyfriend, you know, that might completely end your relationship. And, you know, that's just like a stack of dominoes that could have been completely avoided if you had just acknowledged jealousy in the beginning. Exactly. And that's why it's so powerful. And I know some, I do this with some of my clients, but it's also really powerful to name these parts of yourself, like give them a funny name. So when you get jealous, you know, it's not actually you, but you can be like, oh, like, I don't know. I'm just going to say Jessica. You can call your jealousy Jessica and be like, oh, jealous Jessica. Like, go away. Like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no offense if your name's Jessica. It's just the first name that, I, that came up. But if you name these certain parts of yourself, they no longer are a part of you, but they have their own separate identity. Wow. You're, they're no longer going to take over. It's like you as like the empowered version of you yeah. and the truth. And then these other little sub-personalities that you sometimes um, experience or they sometimes move through you, but they're not who you are. Oh, I love what you've just said there. It's like, it's not who you are. I recently mm -hmm. had a conversation with someone where they said, you know, you've been told you have depression and anxiety, but how about instead of saying, I have these things or I suffer from them or I live with them. Just say, I have a relationship with them because that way they're next to you. They're not a part of you, but they are something that will come and go every once in a while. And you don't always have to live with, but it's not a part of you. It's something that's like detached and separate from you. I think that's so beautiful in just like this really perfect way. I actually, I actually got goosebumps when you said that. That's something that you said that at the beginning of our conversation, I think as well, saying that you have a relationship with it. And I've never heard that being used before. And I love it. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, like you and I, we've just experienced like at the moment yesterday and today, like we've had a relationship with anxiety and in the past, me and anxiety have spent a lot of time together, but gradually over time, like that relationship, I've, you know, spent less and less time with it, but sometimes it's going to come back into my life and be right in my face and not want to leave. So, you know, today I have a relationship with it, but I don't have to choose to always have it. Yeah. I love that. It's so powerful. And it's like, you're right. As soon as you say, like, I have anxiety or I am anxious, it it dictates who you are like it comes a part of your identity mm, it really does so it's like that separation that we've talked about a few times today which I just think is so important because everything is mindset it's how we carry ourselves through our day like whether our vibes or our you know emotions or like our happiness or whatever like it's all a part of it oh totally because how you're feeling then dictates how you view yourself and how you view your own identity and how you view your identity dictates what you'll do and what actions you'll take, which eventually like dictates your entire life and the way that your entire extra external life looks. Oh, I think we've like honestly talked about some really beautiful stuff today and, you know, 
before we do wrap up this conversation, I want to touch on something really important and something that I honestly didn't really have. And I heard you talk about it recently and I'm just hoping that you wouldn't mind touching on it a little bit more. And it's the importance of setting boundaries within our relationships in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad you brought this up because this is something that I was actually going to mention earlier, but didn't. So, um, so where I was going to mention it is boundaries are actually really important in sex as well. So if, because safety is such an important part of being able to surrender, when you set boundaries and you know that you can set strong boundaries, you actually allow yourself to feel more safe. So if you have the power within you to say yes to what serves you and no to what doesn't, obviously you feel safe, but also if you go into a sexual situation knowing that you have the power to say no and back out of it, if it turns toxic or if it's no longer serving you, then you can surrender deeply into that yes, knowing that if at any time it turns into a no, you can get yourself out. So you cannot have a full yes unless you know that you have a full no. So those two go really hand in hand. But this is the same in life as well. Like the more that you can say no to what doesn't serve you, the more you can say yes to what does. So the more you can say no to other people's needs um, and to spending your own resources, your own time and your own energy on things that serve others and putting other people's needs at bay, you actually open up so much time and energy for yourself. And that allows you to get all of your own needs met and to achieve all of your goals and dreams and desires. Whoa, I I literally just got chills just then. (laughs) So boundaries are everything. And it all, like, what I teach, it really does come into, like, this big, like, web. Like, you can't just learn one thing without the other. So to have strong boundaries, you need to be embodied in a deep sense of self-love and self-worth. The reason why so many women struggle to set boundaries is we use our, like, people-pleasing tendencies to... Um, acquire the love from other people. Mm. We get that if we say no to somebody and we turn them down, that they'll then reject us and will no longer be worthy of their love. But when you're fully embodied in your own sense of love, your own sense of worthiness, it doesn't matter if someone potentially rejects you. They can't actually reject you because you're already full. You've filled your own cup. When you love and accept yourself, that can't be taken away from you. Mm-mm. self-love Whoa. and self-acceptance worthiness self-worth so important that's something we haven't really touched on today and like the importance of it it's literally like it's probably step number one isn't it it's like because until we love ourselves or like know our own worth like then we put up boundaries and say well look my energy or my capacity is better you know used spending my time this way I don't have time for you anymore or you know this Um, activity is taking too much energy for me and it could be used somewhere else like until you really like understand like your worth I think it's completely hard to set boundaries or to feel safe at all exactly and even with orgasm or like having sex because well before orgasm is like the desire to have sex and a desire is to want something but you can't want something unless you first know that you're worthy of having that thing so without worthiness, there's no desire. Oh, my God. I feel like you need to say that again. That was so powerful. <laughs> you can't have a strong desire unless you first know that you are not only worthy of having that desire, but you're worthy of having that desire met. Oh, my gosh. Bang. Mic drop. <laughs> I literally just, like, clicked my fingers and I was like, I was like yes, babe. Yes, absolutely. It's like... I deserve this. I own this. Like this, I am like completely deserving of all of this good that's going to come into my life, this pleasure that I'm allowed to feel. Like, ah, I just, yeah, that's amazing for so long. When good things happen, you're like, well, of course. Like I deserve this. I'm worthy of this. Like, of course my boyfriend's doing all these amazing things. Of course I'm having these amazing orgasms. It makes sense. Whereas if you continuously tell yourself that you're not worthy of something and that's your belief, that's your identity, it doesn't mean that you're not necessarily going to have these, not going to attract these experiences, but you'll turn them down. Mm. So what happens 
if you don't believe you're worthy and you attract the most incredible partner, you will, a couple of things can happen. First of all, it will feel off because you don't feel worthy of this person. And because you don't think that you're worthy and this amazing person has fallen in love with you, the fact that this person has fallen in love with someone like you who's unworthy will make them seem less attractive in your eyes. Yeah, you'll literally probably find any way to self-sabotage that. Yeah, you'll believe that this person's going to hurt you. So you believe that you're unworthy of love or desire or whatever it might be. So you believe that this person that's come into your life is then going to hurt you or reject you. So you'll reject them before they have the before they're able to hurt you oh my gosh out of your life instead of welcoming them in as a way to protect yourself asti it's although like you are literally reading the script of my life (laughs) (laughs) like that comes from so much buried trauma right here i'm just like tick 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 (laughs) (laughs) is that something that you've experienced yeah look i have this i get this belief or I had a belief deep down inside me that like, I honestly just wasn't good enough. And this was coming from childhood trauma of, you know, my dad leaving and my mum never showing me any attention and just feeling like I, my needs for being loved were never being met. And so Mm -hmm. in relationships as an adult, when someone would show interest in me or, you know, suddenly then they would either like neglect me or not message me back or something instantly. Like my fear would be like, Oh my God, they're going to leave me too. I better leave them first. Yeah. And it's this weird, like, I know what you mean. It's like the emotion that comes up. It's like old stuff. Yeah. Like kind of get like this, not deja vu, but similar where you've like, I've experienced this before. Yeah, but it happens like without you even being aware of it, not at all. Like I would, you know, just change like that and be like, oh, no, this is completely done for me. I don't want a part of it anymore. Just because Mm -hmm. I was triggered subconsciously by something that perhaps happened to me when I was a child that led me to believe that I wasn't enough for people. Mm -hmm. Have you done much inner child work? Oh, I have done so much work. Um, and that's what I think is just so completely beautiful about that sort of work is that like understanding like what she wanted and what she needed and that, you know, obviously perhaps she wasn't having those needs met, but it doesn't mean that right now the person that I am isn't deserving of all of those things that I still want. And it's exactly what you were saying. It's love, safety and belonging. Mm-hmm. Like you always have been worthy. You always will be. It's just about reminding that inner child inside of you that that truth yeah exactly right and that's why I love that you've mentioned all of these things today because until I really started doing that inner work and understanding like my trauma I didn't know why my relationships were perhaps not going the way that I wanted them to or why I attracted bad luck or we'll call it luck but it was just me and my own conditioning in you know, not creating these really beautiful and fulfilling relationships. It was until I did the work, I didn't know why. Yeah. And now when you're triggered and something isn't going well, you can kind of take a step back and go, oh, it's not me. It's not them. It's just this old pattern that's coming up and you can like catch it before it starts to take over. Yeah. I can acknowledge it. Thank you for being there and tell me that it doesn't serve me anymore. Exactly. Uh, It's like beautifully summarized our conversation today. Now, (laughs) for everyone that's been listening and falling in love with you as much as I do, please tell them a little bit about how that you can help them and the services that you are offering. I know you've mentioned a little bit, but I want them to really know where to find you. So you guys can find me at my Instagram, which is asti.marie, or my website, which is astimarie.com. And then in terms of working with me, there's a couple of options. I have my online program, which basically covers most of what we've been talking about today. Um, The doors that have closed, but if you message me, then I can sneak you in. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also my VIP coaching, um, which is one-on-one for 12 weeks. And then I've also opened up a little mini breakthrough sessions um, opportunity to work with me, which is just through email, but it's 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 probably like a, a good way to 
get your first taste of working with me. It's a cheaper option um, and for a shorter period of time. But if you're not sure, you can reach out to me. I love hearing from everybody. So if you have any questions, just fire away. Yes, absolutely. And I know that your inbox is going to be inundated with messages after this beautiful episode because I know that the stuff that we've talked about today it could be a little bit taboo still and, you know, hard for people to talk about with their friends as well. But when they know that they have a resource and an educator like yourself, you become a really beautiful portal for them to actually, you know, find this self-pleasure and all the beautiful things about, you know, our child work that we've talked about today. So I just want to let you know that the work that you're doing is so powerful and the more people like you that are spreading that whole female sexual empowerment movement, honestly, the better. Oh, thank you, babe. I honestly love it. The messages that I get with people are like, I've never told anybody this, but and then they send me like this novel of like their life story. It really makes me happy being able to give women the opportunity to share on such deep levels. It's really important work that you're doing, babe. And I just want to say thank you so much for being here with me today and for sharing all of your beautiful wisdom with my listeners. Thank you, gorgeous. Thanks for having me. No problems. I'll talk to you soon. Oh my goodness, how good was that? And how amazing is Asti? Honestly, there was so many juicy goody bits in there that I honestly just like couldn't stop smiling. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Just agreeing with so many parts of that. And the reason that I can do that is because I've understood what she's talking about. I know that there are things that come from the past and our conditioning and that's why what Asti does is so powerful and important because she helps people to discover why they are the way they are and why they are blocking them from feeling into their sensuality and their female empowerment and pleasure. And it's so important for us to feel these things, but until we really start to understand ourselves, it's really hard to connect with that part of us that can let go. Oh, today's episode was honestly just so exciting and it filled me with so much life and inspiration. So I hope that you guys loved Asti just as much as I did. And if you want to head over and get involved in the work that she's doing, then hit her up on YouTube and her website and Instagram because literally everything she posts is just goodness. So guys, thank you so much for being here with Asti and I today and Please make sure that you're taking care of yourself, prioritizing your self-care and helping the people that you love around you. Community is so important in this time and we just have to be good people. And like Asti was saying, walk with kindness. Thanks so much, guys, and I will see you in my next episode.